0: This is Sportsnet Today with Riley Pollock and Patrick Dumas, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to Sportsnet Today. We have a very busy special two-hour show today as some big news has happened in Calgary in the last two days. If you've been living under a rock, that news is that Daryl Sutter is back behind the Flames bench after Jeff Ward was let go, Sutter, previously the head coach of the Flames from 2002 to 2006, and the general manager from 03 to 2010, he was also the bench boss when the Flames made their Stanley Cup final run in 2004. Patrick Dumas, what do you think of this Flames hiring? I love
2: the
3: song choice, Maddie. It does make sense now. Uh, but yes, uh, no, like having Daryl is back here. It's, it definitely gets the nostalgia flowing again. That press conference was really special. It, it felt re- it hit close to home for for a lot of Flames fans, I'm sure. And uh, it's definitely this team needed to shake up sooner rather than later. And uh, and we we heard that they wanted tr- uh, they wanted Sutter before uh, the season. I don't know if things didn't work out that way, but now they've circled back and uh, he's coming home.
1: Yeah, and it's not just the, uh, hey, maybe come hang out for the rest of the season thing. He signed a three-year deal as well. So uh, yeah, there's some players in that locker room that uh, might get some tough love from Sutter who isn't afraid to use his voice to uh, be heard behind that bench and in the locker room. And uh, I think there's some guys that might thrive in uh, with Sutter behind the bench. So we'll have to see how it shakes out. He won't be around for the next couple of nights. I believe Thursday against Montreal should be the first time that we see him uh, on the bench with the Flames. But Pat Steinberg had a chance to talk with Sutter yesterday on The Big Show. Let's take a listen to what the new head coach had to say about coming back to Calgary.
4: Just take us through the process from your end.
5: Um, I think, for, you know, just talking to Brad over the last few days and, you know, just gathering info and the and then trying to digest it and thinking about it, and and then uh, getting some feedback from from Anaheim from Bob Murray, and uh, you know, with my family, lots, you know, quite a bit going on with it, and then deciding to to go ahead with it and and uh, and make it work, get back in the saddle again.
4: Now, when you joined the L.A. Kings, you told the story about being in the barn when you got the call. Uh, where, where were you? Any, any similar story this time or, or less exciting?
5: Well, no less exciting because COVID pretty much isolated us and, and it just started warming up here. As you know, it was 30 below, so uh, pretty much hanging around home. And, uh, you know, I've seen touch with Brad, not, not, you know, not business-wise, but, you know, obviously through through my ties in Calgary with, with the late Ken King. And, uh, so, you know, it's, it was probably started as a casual, casual thing over the last couple of years and and then, uh, came to fruition today. Darrell,
4: when you, when you left the organization about a decade ago at any point, and I know there was a, a stretch there with the LA Kings, of course, but at any point, did you think that you would be back with the Calgary Flames organization?
5: Well, I don't know if I ever thought that I, that I would be, but I, you know, I had a strong relationship with, with uh, Murray, obviously, and Ken, obviously, and, and I've, you know, Wanda and I, my wife, I've talked to her the last two or three years about, you know, she's, you know, wanting to know if I'd go back or, I said, you know, it's always it's got to be the right situation, and, and there was only a couple of places that I had any interest at all going to, and, and one of them was Calgary.
4: How difficult a decision was this for you? Because you've spoken about being content in, in post-hockey life and, and all of that. W- was this a difficult decision for you from a personal standpoint?
5: Well, I don't know if it was difficult from the from the personal standpoint, but what's really important to me is, is once you get, and I'm not sounding bold or anything, but once you get used to having success, then you you only want to, to me there's not, Thirty-two options. Uh, to me, it's about winning and and figuring out the nucleus of teams and seeing how close they are. And, and so, really, it wasn't it really wasn't that difficult once I was comfortable with with uh, with the personnel and and you know going going through it and, and seeing how much more there was there that could be offered. Then then hey, it, it wasn't that difficult.
4: What about this group appealed to you, and and made it a pretty simple decision?
5: Well, I think, you know, as much maligned as and critiqued as they've been, uh, I think they went through a lot. Quite honest, in terms of the, you know, the coaching change last year, and then and the assistant coach taking over, and and then going to the bubble, and and winning around in the bubble, and then and then. Uh, you know, and then with COVID and changing the division, the way it's set up, I think they've went through a lot. I just think that, you know, they, you know, I can help them paint a clearer picture and hopefully that results in, in some success for them.
4: In conversation with New Calgary Flames head coach, Daryl Sutter, joining us this afternoon. Daryl, you spoke today about unfinished business going back to 2004 can can you expand on the the feel of of unfinished business and how close you came you know now 17 years ago
5: yeah i just think that you know if we'd have lost lost in the conference finals or lost four straight in the finals or something like that wouldn't mean as much but when it sticks with you and i'm sure you've talked a lot a lot of players that were on in that group and i've heard from several of them today that you know it sticks in your it's Sticks in your craw that you lost two-one in Game Seven, and and you know you left everything out there, and it's still something that uh, it was one of the reasons I went back to LA because I wanted to be on the other end of it. That's it, that's simple, and, and it, was a, it was sort of the same decision I made there. I thought they had a chance to to win a championship. They were underachieving, and and I thought I could help them a little bit and and be there with them and. And uh, hopefully, I can do the same thing here.
4: Have you spoken? Uh, have you spoken much to to Conroy and Jelena yet? Of course, two guys who were with you in '04.
5: I spoke to Connie um, late yesterday, and I uh, was with uh, with the coaches with Marty and and the coaches on Zoom this morning.
4: Very cool. Very cool. And. Okay, so take us back to when you took over the L.A. Kings in the 11-12 season. You talked about how they were an underachieving team and, and you were able to get that team to the playoffs and we all know what happened from there. What similarities do you see in this situation with the Flames as as perhaps you saw when you joined the L.A. Kings about a decade ago?
5: This nucleus also. I mean, the similarities, you know, I'd, I'd say quick... Craig Dowdy, Kopitar, Brown, and getting Jeff Carter right after we got there, you know, they're great young players, and they were just, you know, they were on the cusp of just need they just needed to win, but um, you know, they just needed a little clear picture of it, and you know, I was able to do it, and, and mostly because they're, they're great pros and, and wanted to win, so that's what you're trying. So the similarity, be that's what you're going to try and accomplish here with, with, uh, you know, Hey, Geo's a Norse, Norse winner. And, you know, even though he's got some age on him, he's still a really good player. And, and uh, Brad bringing in Mark, is was the top, you know, one of the top goalies in the league. And, and, you know, and they're, and they're strong down the middle and you got a power guy and in, in Matthew Kachuk, And so, you know, those are all the elements that you need to win. So it's, now figuring out with the group what they have to do and and how they're going to do it.
4: Daryl Sutter's with us, Calgary Flames head coach. Daryl, it was uh you who brought in uh, and helped bring in uh, Mark Giordano and and signed him to a, a three-way deal uh way back after the run to the Stanley Cup final. And um, you saw you saw him go to, to to Europe and to Russia for a little bit. You saw him excel in the American League and and finally become a full-time NHL. I believe as a coach, you got six or seven games with him in your final year as head coach of the team, but now an opportunity to be Mark Giordano's full time head coach. I just wonder how kind of full circle that is for you.
5: Yeah, I'm thankful for that. I can remember Gio when we first got him was and it was Tommy Webster was the late Webby that uh you know taught, told us about him and that he'd been hurt and, and he's one of the guys you just you noticed him right away and, and you know when he just stuck stuck to his guns and went to Russia and came back and you know there was never any it was just about getting Gio back to the, and playing in the NHL. And then he took the steps. He went from you know probably a guy that was in and out of the lineup to being a third pair and then to the top four and then to a captain and then to a Norris winner. And, you know, he just he just wanted to recapture some of that, that brilliance again and, and not have to carry the weight of the team on his shoulders in terms of the whole preparation part of it. So just wanted to be a good player and and he will be, and I'm thrilled to be able to come him.
4: And, of course, Michael Backlund was one of your draft picks as well when you were a general manager of this team. Your your observations on the, the career path of Michael?
5: Yeah, Michael's had a, had a really good career to point. You look how he came from Sweden and, and then played in that World Junior team and, and then you know, came with me back to Calgary and played one game and then went to Kelowna for the rest of the year. And then played in the American League and and then and now he's a really good NHL player. He's a strong leader on this on this team and you know there's only three guys that I'm really familiar with that would be Lewis.
4: Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Milan. He had one of his uh, best career seasons in his one year with you in Los Angeles. Uh, how 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 thrilled are you to have Milan on your team, knowing the battles he's been through, and 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 now having him as kind of one of the the core pieces of this leadership group? Well,
5: you know, I think that was the last time he scored twenty goals. He was part of that team. You know, he we, can. We're losing players and through different things and and uh, you know we lose here there and then and he leaving for a big contract and and uh, it's it's sort of a full circle thing there too because I think a lot of them and and he's still a he's still an important player even though he may not uh, you know have the numbers used to he's still a really important player in that locker
4: room and one final individual player I wanted to ask you about, Daryl, and that is uh, Elias Lindholm, who has has transitioned to being a full time center so far this season. You now, there's been a lot of comparisons and, and, and of other really good two way centers in this league uh, that Lindholm is drawn to. I, I'm just curious as to your observation on on having Elias and and what you see you can build around him as your potential number one C.
5: Yeah, I think Elias. I knew I knew when he was 18. In fact, he played with. Uh my son Brett and Charlotte. So, you know, I've seen him come the whole distance too now. And, and, uh, you know, what? he's a, he's a real underrated player in the NHL. There's, I don't think teams really don't know enough about him. He's a really good player. And, you know, I know he's always, you know, he's a two, two position player, but uh, you gotta be strong down the middle of the ice and, and he's a strong center. He has. He has. He's a 200-foot player, and he can play. He can play minutes, and he can play against other team's best players. And those guys are hard to find.
4: Just a few more with the head coach of the Calgary Flames, Daryl Sutter, joining us on the program today. Daryl, you know, in 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 the modern hockey world, a lot of people talk about in shot rate and position uh, possession, rather, and offensive zone starts and all that type of stuff. That's kind of from the outside entered the conversation over the last decade, but I mean, I, I remember going back to even your time in, in San Jose and certainly your time here in Calgary. Those, those are things you've been talking about for, for the last two decades, and you talked about the usage of analytics in Los Angeles and, and how you effectively use them with the Kings. What what's your view on on that side of the game in this
5: day and age? Well, you use it to your advantage. I mean, you got to be careful; you don't go overboard with it. But from a coaching standpoint, and also from from uh, say a young player or a player that's struggling, or you know, you can sh- you can show them things analytically that they can use if they want to their advantage, and and it does make a difference. I. I you know I I learned a lot of that worked with Dean Lombardi in, in in San Jose and then in LA and and you know there are there are metrics that matter and you can use them how you want but uh the best teams use them to their advantage
4: you uh your your group in Los Angeles seemed to have the puck and, and never give it up and that was kind of the hallmark of your group on route to Stanley Cup's when you describe how you want your team to play the characteristics of a, of a Daryl coach team, how would you describe that?
5: Well, at the end of the day, you still have to be a great checking team. You know, that, that term about being great defensively or whatever, that's, that's sort of old. That's, you have to be a strong checking team in all three zones. and, And that allows you to have the puck more and to hang on to the puck and, and and then the next part of that is to is to create the offense by either by shooting or or making the next play, executing the next play. So uh you know, I'm a big proponent of it's puck possession, you know, we were little boys and I've been in this a long time. When you were little boys you know, you carved your initials on your puck and that's that meant it was yours and you kept it, so know. Uh, you know that it has. That's one thing that hasn't changed in the game. The team that has the puck the most is the best team.
0: I like
4: that. That's cool. Uh, that's a cool anecdote. Uh, excited to coach in an all Canadian division and and be playing these teams as many times as your group group is going to be playing
5: them. Yeah, it's crazy, eh? But you know, it's like I said this morning to on the Zoom. You know, this Canadian division. This you know the last year Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. We're in the Pacific division. The Canadian division this year is a dominant division. You know, you got you you pull in Winnipeg, Toronto, Montreal, and those are top teams and and Ottawa is a you know blood and guts team. So you're you know, this division is tough. And it's hard to make the playoffs and I'm not sure that everybody understood that at the start. And, you know, you're almost halfway in and now 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 you see it.
4: I know that you uh, when you took over back in in the o two o three season here in Calgary, you talked about uh, how much missing the playoffs that that first year when you had the half season, how how much of a disappointment and how much that stuck with you uh, going into the off season, and and obviously it's it's going to be a tough road. But I, I guess just tell us about the the path to the postseason for the Flames here.
5: Well, you know, if you're going back to that year, you, you know, we played like it was like one game over 500 or something like that the rest of the way from so that was like christmas on and that wasn't enough because we were, you were four or five under going into it so it just tells you that in the new alignment that 500 hockey is not a is not a playoff team so it makes it really really hard so uh you know you've heard uh, you've heard other teams and other coaches talk about it you know where you're where you're playing series basically as you go along. And, you know, this weekend for the Flames, other uh, you know, Edmonton and then Ottawa again is, one, is a rare. So, yeah. basically you're playing teams two or three times and, and it is like a series. So, you get playoff tested and you are going to learn a lot about players and, and you are going to find out, you know, who the real competitor is. And, and that's, you know, and that's part of it and that's the fun part.
4: What's your role uh, on on Saturday and Sunday? Like, how involved will you be, or, or are you just watching from afar and and then coming in for your first practice on Tuesday?
5: Well, all I can do is watch and, and zoom and use the phone. You know, and, if, and you know the guys all have my numbers and and we'll talk to coaches and you know. Not it's like I told the players today, their responsibility is to have a really good weekend and 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 Ryan is do a fabulous job on the bench he's a really good coach and actually somebody that I tried to work with in LA and he and um, he took the Stockton job at that time so right. so I'm you know I'm looking forward to work with Ryan he reminds me of a of a young John Stevens who I had in, in LA so uh, I'm really comfortable you know I obviously I wish I was there and you know that's the frustrating part you're 85 miles away but you can't be there in Edmonton <laughs> so but uh, you know what, I'll be there on Monday and hopefully and get it rolling. You're
4: kind of used to it. Isn't that the way? same way it went when you took the Calgary job the first time and the LA job? You had about a week buffer before you could get in there?
5: Well, the one, store, the, I forget which team it was. We were at the National Finals. I said I was going to the National Finals Rokeo first before I could come. <laughs> so that's the middle of December. So uh so we were going there first, and then, and then I'd make a decision.
4: That's uh, so, that's good. That's uh,
5: priorities, right? Well, you know, <laughs> you can't let your probably couldn't get a ticket refund, and can't <laughs> let your family down.
1: There you go, Daryl Sutter, the new head coach of the Calgary Flames. His second stint as the head coach of the Flames. Patrick, uh, I'm not sure what you took from it, but uh, I think this is going to be a lot more of a physical team and uh, probably a lot more of a hard-working team with Sutter behind the bench. What do you think? All right, uh, we might have lost Patrick there, so we'll go to break. Me and Patrick are at home today. Our amazing producer today is Matt Rose. He's the at the Iconic Electric and Controls downtown studio. Uh, iconic is proudly owned and operated from Western Canada since 2008, and they take great pride in giving back to the communities that we all work and live in. Electrical construction, it's Iconic. Contact them today at iconicec.ca. I think we do have Duma back, yeah, but... Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's time to go to break anyway, so uh, you don't need time to for up. our first break on Sportsnet today. When we come back, the voice of the Calgary Hitman, Brad Curl, joins us to talk about last night's big win and to look ahead to tonight's game and the rest of the season. This is Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
0: Sportsnet Today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960, the fan, Calgary.
1: Welcome back to Sportsnet today with myself, Riley Pollock, and Patrick Dumas. Lots more Flames talk to come, but now we shift gears to another team in Calgary, and that is the Hitmen. They kicked off their shortened season last night against the Red Deer Rebels And picked up a 2 to nothing win. We now head down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to chat with play-by-play voice of the Calgary Hitman, Brad Curl. Brad, how are you doing? I haven't talked to you in forever.
6: It has been forever. I'm doing fantastic and I love the entrance music. Anytime you can go into the wrestling ring and get the namesake of the franchise, Brett the Hitman Hart, his entrance music, it kind of gets you pumped up a little bit, so nice touch.
1: Well, that's the great Matty Rose, the, our producer today, and of course, uh, best in the business. So, not surprised that uh, he was able to do that for us. Uh, Brad, the Hitman, off to about as good of a start as you could hope for last night with that big two nothing win. What'd you see?
6: Well, I saw a lot of, of, of a, a lot of happy faces. We'll start there. You know, it's kind of uh, the culmination of a lot of hard work. It was almost one calendar year between hockey games for the Calgary Hitmen, and it's hard to believe that it was last March when we all received news that you know the Western Hockey League was being postponed. We didn't know that it would ultimately lead to the cancellation of last season, but I think when everybody left their teams, no one thought that they'd be gone this long. But sure enough, nearly one full calendar year later. It took to get back on the ice and a lot of gratitude expressed by not only the players but the coaches and nhl scouts to a T for all the hard work that has gone on to get us to a place where we can play hockey again and you know on the unfortunate part no fans allowed at least for now we're optimistic that as the vaccine rollout proceeds under the covid19 pandemic that we'll ultimately get to a point where fans will be allowed back in buildings but you know, just a real, real happy place for those that were able to play and and the big thing is for the players themselves. You know, when you only have essentially a five year window to make an impression, whether you're chasing your pro hockey dream or or anything else for that matter, to get a paid education, you know, a full loss of a loss of one year is, is a tremendous loss. So kudos to those behind the scenes that put in so many hours and got creative to make it work and set up all these Western Hockey League bubbles that are popping up all over Western Canada and the Northwest U S to make this work, you know, all 22 teams in the league will play hockey. So for Red Deer and Calgary to get it going last night, I know for the Rebels, they had played the previous weekend, but for the hitman to finally touch the ice last night, just a real, real happy place. Yeah,
1: for sure. And well said, it's, it's definitely nice to see some of these leagues coming back, even if it is for just a shortened season and, The Hitman came out on top, and Sean Chagall gets the first of the season, and it ended up up being the game winner. How much of the team's offensive success could be uh, relying on him this season? I expect him to have a big one.
6: Well, that's a great question, because somebody has to take the ball and run with it, so to speak. With so much loss from last year, when you look at the Hitman graduates, and we look at the guys that turned pro, Mark Kastelik, Carson Folk, Jet Wu, Kyle Olson, and Yegor Zamula. You throw in Dakota Krebs as well, who's right now on an ATO with them, with the Toronto Marlies, and you basically accounted for 95 goals out of the Hitman lineup last year. And you run the math on that. That's about 43% of the offense. So that's a big hole. So there's a lot of opportunity to be had, a lot of extra ice time. And I'm not sure who's going to take the reins and, and fill the bulk of the net. Certainly, Sean Chagall seems poised and ready to take a step forward. He was a high bantam pick of the hockey club, a first-round bantam pick a couple of years ago in the draft and came in as a 16-year-old last year. And because they were so deep offensively up front, he was asked to primarily provide some energy, play in the bottom six and kill some penalties and just kind of get his feet wet. And now that the opportunity has arose... Last night he was playing in the top six, played on the second line in a right wing spot and did not look out of place at all. And you hear the comments from head coach Steve Hamilton after the game. And he used the word substantial growth in his game to describe Sean Chagall, a player that, you know, didn't sit around and just twiddle his thumbs during the pandemic. And that was interesting to me and and really how the teams would look on the ice because... You know, it was a situation where you hadn't played a meaningful hockey game in nearly a year, but that didn't mean that you couldn't work on your game. There's a lot of hand-eye coordination, quick feet drills, getting stronger, getting faster. A lot of those things that you still could work on, minus hockey games. And for Sean Chigal, clearly put in the work. He looked a step quicker. He looked a lot more tenacious, a lot more comfortable. So I think the opportunity is there for him to come in, and this being his NHL draft year, really get opportunity to 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 have success offensively and you saw it on his goal last night the breakaway from the blue line in he wasn't uh, uncomfortable at all he made a nice little fake move to freeze the goaltender and then wired it into the corner and for Sean Chagall it's always nice when you're rewarded for the hard work so clearly the dedication and the training that he did uh, between hockey games paid off last night with that goal but um, he's just one of many that they're going to need to find some goals from this year. But it sure is nice when you're a, a league of 16 to 20 year olds that you've got a player like Sean Chagall at age 17, that looks like he's already ready to carry a little bit of the offensive load.
1: Absolutely. And I heard on the hitman hour today that will run again at five o'clock. If you missed it the first time that uh, you got to talk to both goaltenders on the hitman hour and, What a tandem that uh, the Hitmen find themselves having in net with Braden Peters getting the shutout last night Is this the best tandem in the Central Division with Peters and Jack McNaughton two young goaltenders and uh, two goalies that Really could be starters in a lot of places in the WHL
6: Indeed indeed and that's the luxury they have is essentially both could be starters. Is it the best in the division? I don't know. You know, it's interesting to see it Obviously, the Edmonton Oil Kings have yet to lose a hockey game this year, so they might raise their hand and say, hey, we're pretty good in goal as well. There's a a lot of good goaltenders in this division, but it's tough to argue when you've got 19-year-old Jack McNaughton, who has won already more than 40 games in his two seasons in the Western Hockey League and, of course, helped Calgary with that upset playoff series win over the Lethbridge Hurricanes a couple of years ago. And then Braden Peters, who quietly came in last year and really – you know, found his way early in the Western Hockey League, and that's hard to do for a goaltender. I remember even watching Martin Jones when he was a first year player for the Calgary Hitman, of course, now the San Jose Sharks netminder. And Mr. Jones, in the first half of the season, you could tell that the speed of the game was a little too quick for him. It wasn't until after Christmas where he started to really find his way, and by the time he got to be 18 and 19, he emerged to be a primetime goaltender, and the rest is history. Well, for Braden Peters last year to have a 276 goals against average and a 9.02 save percentage as a first year goaltender really turned a lot of heads. You talk to Jason LaBarbera, who's now the goaltending coach for the Calgary Flames, even with Jack McNaughton, and they talk about the hands of Braden Peters. And it's funny, when you think about a goaltender, quite often you think about positioning. You don't think so much about hands. But when you have quick hands, you can grab pucks, and you can be your own best friend when it comes to just controlling the environment around your crease. And we saw it last night for Braden Peters. A lot of the pucks that came through, it was one and done because of his quick hands and his rebound control. So, uh, you know, it's six foot two, 199 pounds. He's definitely a a, a strong goaltender in size in the net, but Jack McNaughton, you know, he'll likely get the start tonight on Red Deer, I would presume. And, you know, they're going to need both goaltenders, Riley, in the sense that this is essentially a weekend only league right now, because of the COVID-19 testing they need to do between games. You really are only pushed into the weekend for right now. So, the Hitman playing Fridays and Saturdays to start beginning next weekend. They'll play three games in three days. Well, a lot is made in the National Hockey League about a goaltender who goes back-to-back. It's unheard of that anyone play three games in three days. You know, there was a stretch two years ago when Calgary had some injury problems in the net where Jack McNaughton started 23 consecutive games in a row. I don't think that's going to happen this year, uh, but it's nice the fact that they do have two goaltenders that they can trust and throw into the net, especially with that condensed schedule and some turnarounds that are pretty tight.
1: Absolutely. I'm excited to see both these guys play as they both started young in the dub and have uh, continued to have success. Uh, All right, as we finish our trip around the position groups, it's a young group on the back end this season. They've lost uh, quite a few players back there. How do you see them being able to handle this shortened season and maybe being uh, thrown into a role a little bit earlier than expected for some of these guys?
6: Yeah, it's a great point with all, the, with all the, you know, the key losses. You look at Yegor Zamula, Jet Wu, and Dakota Krebs. Well, between the three of them, when you look at a 60-minute hockey game, they probably consumed close to half of it. I know uh, Wu's ice time really grew as the year went on. Um, you know, Zamula unfortunately for him, suffered that back injury at the World Juniors for Russia and was lost for the rest of the season. But Dakota Krebs played in the top four. And you know, for Calgary, it is a different blue line in the sense that guys that last year could get the easier matchups no longer can be insulated. All of a sudden, you've got to play against the opposition's best players. And the early return is it looks like they're going to spread it out a little bit because the two most experienced defensemen in Jackson Vandeliste and Luke Prokop, Vandalist at 19, and Luke Prokop, who was selected by the National Predators in the off-season, do not play together. Uh, last night, any indication, they were going to split them up. And what we saw is a couple of you know, combinations that, that really seemed to look comfortable last night. Tyson Galloway scored his first career Western Hockey League goal. Um, he plays with Jackson Vandalese on the top pairing, and Galloway really impressed me. Quite often in junior hockey, you're looking to add size and strength. Well, for Galloway, he cut 15 pounds between training camp last year and last night, and what it's made is he's already a big kid. He played at 215 pounds last year. Going down to 200, he looked noticeably quicker to me, and his puck skills looked a lot. Stronger, And I think that comes with confidence as well, being the second year in the league. So Galloway and Vandalese look to make up the top two. You've got Rory Neal, who was a high Bantam pick at the hockey club. Didn't play last year because of all the depth on the blue line. He'll come in this year, and he was paired with Luke Prokop last night. And then you've got Evan Toss, Graydon Seatman, and Owen Palferman. Seatman and Palferman are rookies. Toss. Now in his second season, he let all hitman when shots on goal last night among defensemen with three. So they've really got a mixed bag back there, but they all can move the puck. And in today's day and age, you need puck-moving defensemen. And I think that's a strength for Calgary. Sometimes, you know, in junior hockey, you don't have as much uh, flexibility as you'd like because of the age brackets. You, sometimes you have to, you know maybe not take as many chances. I remember uh, when Carl Alsner was a young defenseman with a Calgary and Ryan White would say to him, Carl, you got to take some chances, take some chances. But quite often when you're jumping into the league for the first time, you might be an offensive guy, but you're afraid to make a mistake. So you just kind of hang back a little bit. Calgary does have young guys, but they look pretty confident. So I like this blue line. I think it's one of these blue lines that, you know, a month from now, they'll be even better and just continue, continue with great progress. So there's some, some nice upside there. I don't think they have the the the, the superstar, the quarterback of the power play that they've had sometimes down the past. Whether you look at a Jake Bean or a you know a, a, a Michael Stone type, but I, I do think the talent is there. Just with the opportunity, they're now going to get to put in those power play situations. It'll come along.
1: All right, last one for me before I hand you off to uh, Patrick Dumas. Uh, we've talked about the young guys on the back end that you've liked. Is there one or two forwards that maybe me and the listeners? Haven't heard a whole lot from a couple rookies that you might uh, you might expect to take a big step in their first year in the dub.
6: Well, they've got two rookies up, up, up the front side that you've never seen before in the Western Hockey League until last night, and three as a rookie as a group. And I thought Tristan Zandy, who hails from Airdrie and played with Canmore in the AJHL last year, Brandon Wynott, who was a second-round pick out of Yale Academy, and Zach Spunk, who has done nothing but score in minor hockey leading up to this, all really established themselves as comfortable players last night. And You know, sometime in your first game in the Western Hockey League, again, maybe just get on the ice. You want to touch the puck once and get to the bench on a change. I don't want anything bad to happen. They, they all had chances to score last night. All of them had one-on-one chances with a goaltender. Neither did score, uh, but they all generated that offense. So I really think that, you know this this young group of forwards is not over over their head, and and that's nice to see because you know it's 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 one thing to put your lines together on paper as a coaching staff, but it's another to put it on the ice. And I thought all three of those players in Zandy, Why not and Funk looked like they're ready for the Western Hockey League, and their growth you know will come with ice time. But I, I think that this this forward group does have enough uh, you know experience when you've got a guy like Riley Stotts who was your co-leading scorer last year. Uh, and and then you throw in some of these younger players, there's a nice little mix-up there. The only thing they really don't have is a lot of right-handed shots. There's a lot of lefties. Sean Chagall, who's a left-handed shot, he's playing the right side, so that'll be something interesting to watch this year with the lack of right-handed shots. They only have two among the the entire forward group, but That's the way the cards are dealt this year. But I think this this forward group has some ability to... I don't think they're going to be as prolific offensively. When you look at the graduates, they turned out with Mark Kasulik and Carson Folk and Kyle Olson. Those were three real good hockey players in the Western Hockey League. But they do have some youthful enthusiasm, and they do have the veterans to show them along the way.
1: We are talking with Brad Curl, play-by-play voice of the Calgary Hitmen here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, Patrick.
3: Good to hear from you again, Brad. How you doing, buddy?
6: Likewise. I am well. I am well. It's another game day for the Hitmen. Yeah, you know, you almost two. go a full calendar year between games, and then you're going back-to-back. Back. So it's kind of exciting.
3: Exactly. And let's get right into it here. Like, obviously not much of a true training camp for the boys. No, uh, no preseason. It's been pretty much a year since we last saw this group. So, like, what are some strengths and weaknesses right now in this club?
6: Well, I think their enthusiasm is their biggest strength. You know, when you love something as much as these hockey players do and then you have it taken away for nearly a full year, you really come back with a new, true appreciation. And and the fact that this this schedule is condensed, normally you're used to playing 68 games. They will play 24 this year in the shortened season. It really, I guess, strengthens your, your, your awareness of your situation. You know, to take each game as if, You know, it could be your last because they are still playing in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic. At any point, uh, this situation could change. We certainly hope it doesn't, but the league could still, you know, potentially... Not make its way through the twenty-four game. so I, I think that their attention to detail is one of the strengths that all the teams have right now, and, and we saw that last night from the drop of the puck when it when it came down, there wasn't that hesitation and 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 you know nervousness, there was more of that enthusiasm, I and mean, we saw a fight in the first period. There was body checks like it was a playoff game. There was some scoring chances. You expect the defense to take a little bit of time to catch up to the offense, so there were some breakdowns, and that created some great scoring chances. But I think the strength of this Hitman team is just going to be. The their, their excitement levels. You know, they, they are a little bit younger. There's, there's opportunity, and, and, and really, who wouldn't be excited? You know, when you see a guy like Mark Kastelik for, for five years be your, your number one center, and all of a sudden he moves on, there's a new spot there's a new opportunity for number one center so it doesn't matter if you're a returning player or a first year player you everyone has that opportunity to climb the ladder and take on a bigger role so with that i think that that just creates hunger and enthusiasm and, and competitiveness and you know in the nets we talked about it earlier about peter's and McNaughton, a 19 and 18 year old, they're going to push each other. The defense, mm-hmm. you know, those those people that want to now play on the power play, they're going to push each other. Same with the forwards up front. So that's the strength. I think the other part of this group is just their camaraderie. And, and you know, you have to find a way to be a team, and it's hard to do sometimes when you have this condensed schedule uh, of only 24 games. But they are living together. They are being housed not with their billet families this year they're living out at the gray eagle resort and the players that i've talked to absolutely love it out there it does wonders for for community they're playing pickleball they're playing ping pong uh they're spending a lot of time together and normally ways well, they wouldn't have that luxury with calgary being spaced out as much as it is you know what it's like if you live in the yeah. southwest you got a friend in the Northwest, maybe I'll see you every couple months because you're so far away. That's not the case. You know, they're all living together. So I think the fact that this group is going to be a tighter, cohesive unit is another one of their strengths this year.
3: Yeah, it's like you just look at the team that they're playing. Red Deer, they'll be living out of the Westerner Park Centrium this year. Uh, Sutter had them all decked out in the, the suites and everything that had turned them into the bedrooms. It's it's great to see what these clubs are doing, and that's what I, I kind of want to move into. Like, how important was this to the league and these clubs? Like, we still don't know what the financial impact of. Of some of these clubs you know the flame or sorry the hitman have the luxury of being owned by the calgary flames but other clubs may not have that luxury and like it's just it's like it's a credit to the work that to get just to, to get these kids some hockey and like i said some haven't played in a competitive action in over a year like how big was this
6: it was enormous and and yeah. you talk to all the people at the, at the western hockey league level and You know, they knew that they were going to take a financial hit by putting this on. You know, the fact that you're playing without fans, there there is, you know, it's going to be an economic hardship. But they felt that they owed this to the players. You know, the players have given so much to the organizations and commitment over the years. And I, I really think that the feeling was they just could not afford, if at all possible, to not have a season this year, they wanted to exhaust every opportunity and have every door slammed shut and say no, 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 no before they ultimately said no. And fortunately, they were able to get it done. and, and you know, that's the creativity of human beings. You know, we've evolved so much of a species and we don't live in caves anymore. Uh, Our lifestyles are very cushy. All you have to go back is a couple hundred years and and look at how much we've evolved. Well, uh, what do we do? We we persevere and and we, we get creative and we find solutions. So that's really what the Western Hockey League did here. They found a solution that worked. And every league had a challenge or every division had a challenge because the health regulations are different from province to province. And then when you factor in that there are five U S teams, there's an international border at play. You had to kind of throw out the rule book as we knew it before with interdivisional play and, and inter or inter um, international play as well, and kind of get creative. So to go, you know what, what can we do? Okay. We can play in the Alberta division. What's that going to look like? So every team had a conversation. How do we want to work this? Well, for the hitman, they don't have the luxury of living at the Saddle Dome because of the fact oh. that the Flames are tended there and the Stockton Heat are as well. So they had to get creative and the Hitmen go, okay, so what can we do? Okay, well, how about the Seven Chiefs Sportsplex? So they had a conversation with the great people out at Satina Nation because they had played a preseason game out there a couple of years ago. And I can tell you, for those of you who haven't been to Seven Chiefs Sportsplex, it is absolutely stunning. To me, it is, a, it is a hidden gem in our area, just an absolute wonderful facility. So you had to get creative and, and to circle back to where we all began, they they really felt they owed this to the players. You know, do everything you possibly can to to give them a season, and that's what they've come up with here. So you know that the financial um, numbers are not great. Um, there there are teams that are that are going to suffer more than others, but as a, as a big picture, you're doing it for all the right reasons, and that's for the players on the ice. And you know, it's it's a good opportunity to for me to mention there is this uh, jackpots for junior hockey fifty uh, fifty that is taking place. All weekend long in the months of March. Uh, Basically, ticket sales start on Friday night, go through till Sunday night, and you can get in on the 50 50. You can go to the WHL website at WHL.ca. You'll see the logo there, Jackpots for Junior Hockey. And it's for not only the Western Hockey League teams in the province of Alberta, but the AJHL teams as well. They too have faced the hardship. So, uh, last report, I looked at the, the jackpot was over $25,000. So, fans awesome. are obviously supporting this. It is, it is great to see. And, you know, that money will go back to these teams to help pay the bills and, and, and help carry them through this pandemic so that we can we all get back to the arena cheering on the teams that we love that those teams will still be there
3: yeah, very well put bradley last one from me here uh, you mentioned that we're expecting probably jack mcnaughton net uh tonight any other lineup news uh you're hearing or is it probably the same guys that went last night
6: Well, on the injury front, uh, you know, tip your hat to Calgary. They played without two pretty big pieces last night, 19-year-old Cale Zimmerman and 20-year-old Orca Weisblatt. Uh, Both players out day-to-day with an upper body injury. I I don't know if we'll see either one of them in the lineup, but, you know, from the Red Deer Rebels standpoint, if you want to talk about them for a second, I was reading some of the the dialogue on their website from head coach and general manager Brent Sutter, and he was pretty happy with their effort last night. I thought Red Deer played well. They ran into a guy named Braden Peters, who was unbelievable. And to quote Brent Sutter, their goalie was no question outstanding. And uh, comments from Steve Hamilton, the head coach of the Calgary Hitman, unbelievable start is the way that he referenced Braden Peters. So uh, for Calgary tonight, up in Red Deer, I would expect you know a little bit less rest. Um, <laughs> you know that was the one thing you talked to the coaching staff about. They didn't know what to expect. If you don't play for a full year almost. You don't know what to expect when you get on the ice and you know, admittingly, they talked about, you know, that unbelievable start in the terms of energy. But as the game gone on, maybe they ran into a bit of a wall and fatigue a little bit. And, and Red Deer started to take it over and they got some real good chances to, to get back in the game. Just couldn't get that first one and ultimately lost two nothing. But um, Calgary and Red Deer, it's a, a nice little central division rival. And we'll do it part mm-hmm. two tonight with a six o'clock start. Can't wait, Brad.
1: Thanks so much, Brad. It was great talking to you again. It's great to uh, have Hitman Hockey back, and we will do this again soon for sure.
6: Well, thanks for having me on, guys, and enjoy the rest of your Saturday.
1: You as well, thank you. Uh, that was voice of the Hitman Brad Curl down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Well, it was a great game offensively for the Flames on Thursday night as they took out the Sens 7-3. And it was a big night from Dylan Dubé. More on that game when we return and what the Flames need to do to continue that momentum in Edmonton tonight. This is Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
0: Back to Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. To 960, the Fan. Shabbat clears it up the boards, but now Zouk gives it away. Kachuk to Dubé, he shoots.
6: There aren't any fans in the building, but if you're wearing a hat, throw it. Dylan Dupe completes his first career hat trick, and it's the Flames 6 and the Senators
1: 1. Welcome back to Sportsnet today. We know the news that happened after the game on Thursday, but the game itself was one of the Flames' better offensive performances of the season as they took out the Senators 7-3. Like you heard Derek say there, Dylan Dube's first career hat trick. He was flying around all night long. Uh, there's there was a lot of storylines from this game, Patrick, but uh, Dylan Dube maybe one of his well, definitely his best offensive
3: performance as a flame. Yeah, he needed it. He's been uh, it's been rough for him over the last uh, last little bit for him. So getting that hat trick, uh, maybe getting that little proverbial monkey off your back. So I'm excited. He's a big part of this team going forward, and he's going to be even bigger under uh, under Daryl Sutter, coach Calgary Flames.
1: Absolutely. And that fourth line looked maybe the best that it has all mm-hmm. season long, and mm-hmm. I think in large part due to Derek Ryan returning. He had a goal and an assist. And uh, Brett Ritchie as well had his best game as a flame. He added two points. So uh, – what do you think Ryan's return did for this team? Because, you know, they talked a lot about it being an emotional boost mm-hmm. because he's such a fun-loving, nice guy. Uh, is is that really all that it was, is just, you know, an emotional return and he, he chipped in on the scoreboard as well?
3: Probably, uh, but, uh, you know, I think it fortifies the center group on this team. You need a good four down the middle in this league, especially playing in the North Division where almost all the teams can roll three centers deep you need to. And Derek Ryan's in return was huge. Uh, and yeah, it's big emotional lift uh, that fourth line. The bottom six is better when Derek Ryan is a part of it.
1: Yeah. hundred uh, percent. What do you, what do you think they need to do to continue the momentum into tonight's game? It's a huge battle of Alberta. They can either be, you know, two points behind Edmonton with a game in hand, mm-hmm. or uh, the Oilers could pull away a little bit again here. Uh, what, what's the key to, to a good good team game from the flames again tonight.
3: Well, you got to look at the other side too. Edmonton has not had the greatest of weeks either, so it's it's going to be two real desperate teams tonight. So I think Calgary's got to, you know, be physical. They're, they 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 got to have to take uh, their coach's mentality now. It's it's a new group here. Ryan Husk has been through the Through the war here before, and and he's going to have them boys coached up too. So I think it's you want to get the hits early, get some shots at Mike Smith, and and yeah, don't want to rely on Jacob Markham so much, but you do feel a sense of calmness with him back returning to the net. And I'm not taking any away from anything away from what David Riddick has gone through this week. He has been their best player uh over the last couple of weeks, especially with Mark Schmout. So it's simple. It, it's, it's what they say in the interviews. It's get Pucks deep. It's be physical. It's get Pucks uh, you know smart shots. And uh you know don't worry so much about Connor McDavid. I know it's saying, well don't worry about McDavid. He's gone three games without a point. So there's probably a good chance he's gonna score tonight. He, he, so just try and, and not focus so much on him. They've got another group around him. So it's just Make this a classic battle of Alberta. You've done it before. Just keep things s- s- real simple.
1: Yeah, for sure. We have Flames game day at six, Flames warm up at seven, puck drop just after eight, all right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, the host of game day and warm up, Pat Steinberg, has just tweeted out the projected lineup for tonight in Edmonton. Looks like the forwards will stay the same, so Bennett should be a healthy scratch again tonight. Yeah. And it looks like Shillington will head out. Nesterov will come in. Uh, I thought Shillington played pretty decently in the game against Ottawa, so a little bit surprised about that. But you know, not going to dive too deep in on the six, the defenseman on the team, and of course, Jacob Markstrom making his return.
3: Yeah, it's 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 going to be a big one for, for for Sorry for Calgary tonight. It's a big game for both clubs, but uh, for the local hockey heroes, it's a, it's a, it's a massive weekend for them.
1: Absolutely. Well. You've heard from the new head coach and what we think of it, but does our pal Ryan Pike what does he think of the move? That and more from the managing editor of FlamesNation.com when we return to Sportsnet today on Sportsnet
0: nine sixty the fan. This is Sportsnet today with Riley Pollock and Patrick Dumas. Sportsnet nine sixty the fan.
4: Barbara Streisand.
0: There we go, throwback
3: from uh, Daryl Sutter's heyday, late two thousands, 2000, 2010, early 2010s here in the city. Hour two on Sportsnet today. We got two hours today. The Rocket gave us two hours. It's awesome. Let's go back down our Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Flames, they made an earth move behind the bench under 48 hours ago, and it just happens to be round four of the Battle of Alberta, and who better to talk about this than Ryan Pike of Flames Nation. Pike, how you doing, buddy?
7: I'm doing well. I was thinking about this. This might be the, the first time in a long time that the Battle of Alberta is kind of an afterthought given everything that's preceded it, right?
3: Right. It's like... it's like I, I, I thought it was the third game. It's just been a wacky, wacky week for us. And, uh, you know, but they did play early on in February. The only win for the Flames. But let's get into it here. Something big needed to happen after how inconsistent this team has been. Overall, it feels like this has been building for the little bit but like overall your thoughts on the hiring rehiring i guess of uh daryl sutter
7: well i mean it's it's a big move i mean this i would put this move up there with uh the Jacob Marks signing in terms of things that can really, you know, sort of tilt the favor of uh, the Calgary flames and sort of, you know, how they're, they've been going last few years, because, you know, in gold, you know, pretty much since Mika Kippersoff hung up his pads in 2013, they've been going from like dude to dude to dude and, you know, all due respect to the gentleman they had there, but, you know, none of them really moved the needle and none of them really, you know, there, there's a reason why they went through 13 different goaltenders because none of the 13 different goaltenders was particularly amazing. Uh, you can make the same case for coaches pretty much, you know, in Calgary, you know, dating back to when Daryl left. And you can make a case that Mike Keenan was the last big name coach the Flames had, but Mike Keenan is sort of on the, the down slope of his career. And I don't think he's coached the NHL since. And if you look at a lot of the coaches, the Flames have been using pretty much since Daryl Sutter uh, left the organization, you know, they're all pretty decent coaches, but none of them are sort of slam dunk, you know, fist pump enthusiasm creators, the way that uh, that Daryl seems to be. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big move. It's definitely not a cheap move, but I think, you know, I think on a certain level, it sort of shows what Brad living felt he had options to do because, can you make a, a trade in this scenario where you'd have to deal with either a quarantine or trading in division? Mm-hmm. Probably not. And, you know, the team's up against the salary caps. So it's not like they really could do a lot, even if that was an option. So what's, what's left, you might as well make a change to the coach, right?
3: Yeah, exactly. And I love how you, you put it. Cause this is my thoughts exactly where when Daryl was hired in November of 2002, it was, it was coming off of where the flames had many coaches couldn't figure out anything in net and now it's kind of like yeah they're in a better position than they were in the late 90s than they than they are like today but I, I do like how you phrase that uh, phrase that sorry uh, now onto something different uh with uh different with between Bar- Daryl and I no- noticed it in his uh in his, his, his press conference that 16 years ago he was here and now the one with uh, he embraces the embrace of analytics, something that might get lost in more veteran coaches. One of the more impressive things that I heard from Daryl was, was how in tune he was with this group and analytics.
7: Well, you know, like Daryl, Daryl's old school in his mentality, but he's also, you know, he'd be somebody I hate playing cards against because, you know, he, he's a guy that sort of reads people and reads situations really well. You know, uh, Rhett Warner uh, has commented in the past about how Daryl's really good at sort of, you know, Going one on one and dealing with people and you know, for, for Daryl, you know, much like, you know, a lot of guys that sort of you wouldn't think embrace analytics, like Brian Burke's a big analytics guy because. Information is useful to you. The more information you have, the better Mm -hmm. decisions you can make. And I think, you know, when Daryl was in LA, he, uh, you know, he was kind of lauded by by folks around the organization for really coming in with an open mind and wanting to really learn about that side of the game. So we'll see. You know, I I think a lot of times it's sort of a question of how do you take that curiosity and sort of turn it into you know some strategic uh, advantages so it'll be interesting to see how how daryl can be integrated with that to, in, when he, once he gets on board with the flames
3: yeah it was definitely a shock to the system for the players there's a few players that have experienced uh, daryl in the past you know mark giordano for a little bit in his career uh, more so as a gm michael Backlund, same thing but he won a cup with milan lucci so what is sutter's first step in turning this thing around
7: Um, honestly, I think it's just sort of getting them back to basics. Uh, you know, a a lot of the challenges for the flames, you know, the last two years is, you know, when they get away from playing simple and they get a bit too fancy and, you know, uh, the, you know, you play too fancy in the neutral zone; you gets a turnovers. And I think if you look at sort of the games where the Flames aren't really doing the little things well, that's when things turn to snowball on them. So I think he'll really try to emphasize your know, team structure and you know, sort of a more back to basics approach of to play away from the puck. But I think also it'll be interesting to sort of see how he goes player by player and tries to really define their roles because you know a, a lot of the players who've had success under Daryl in different organizations have been guys that you know he he find, looks at the guy and goes, here's what I need you to do. Here's what success looks like in this role. Go do it. And Mm -hmm. if he can, like, I'm thinking specifically, you know, I was speaking on another show this week about uh, Sam Bennett, where, you know, what is Sam Bennett? And, you know, pretty much since what, 20, you know, since he was 19, 19 or 20, the question has been, I don't know. So can Daryl Sutter come in and figure out how to use Sam Bennett in a way that gives Sam yeah. Bennett a really clear role and in a way that really energizes Sam Bennett? Because, you know, we've seen, you know, when Bennett's energized, he's really good. When Gaudreau's energized, he's really good. And I think, you know, I think that, I think the most exciting thing, you know, for the next two games we're going to see is, you know, can, are the Flames going to play relaxed? Because, you know, we've seen a lot in the last week of the Ottawa Senators, a team that absolutely no one has any expectations for. And the Senators play lose. The Senators look like they're having a good time because no one's going to, you know, really blame them if they lose. They can just do their thing. And now that the proverbial other shoe has dropped in Calgary and the big change that we're probably going to see has happened, are the Flames just going to come in the next two games and just play relaxed and just, have fun because you know there's been long stretches of this season where nobody on that on that team looked like they were having any fun and you know it's ultimately it's a game and you tend to win more when you're having fun right
3: yeah exactly and i feel like it it is maybe just a thing then you just loosen the sticks a little bit and and not like keep it simple we say we say it all the time is keep it simple in hockey and and maybe players can can do that better than others but it is it does feel that it this is a real shot in the arm for this group when they sorely needed. Last one from me. You may, I saw you tweeted out um this might be some of the most important games for Ryan Huska these next two games not for him not only for himself but for the whole team. And like Daryl Sutter allotted for 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 uh, for, uh, for Huska. He wanted him in LA, but he took the job in Stockton like how important is this just for Ryan Huska?
7: I think it's going to be really, really interesting for him because, you know, the cool thing is like there, you know, a lot of times if you're a young coach or thrown in the deep end, I mean, you know, and I was thinking like in, in 1991, 92, during the one of the worst years of the Flames history, the Flames basically threw Guy Charon, one of their assistant coaches in the deep end, and he never really got a chance to show what he can do. Uh, but I think that the, the fun thing for, for Huska is like, if you're a young player in this organization, if you've been drafted by Brad for a living in the last seven years, you probably know Ryan Huska. You probably played with him in Stockton or you might have played for him in Calgary. So I think, you know, we're going to see potentially a lot of these guys just battling for Huska because it's a really, you know, it's sort of a low risk audition for him because you know let's let's be honest if he goes into job interviews people aren't going to throw through these games out and say wow you know the the team yeah. the, the most inconsistent team in hockey was inconsistent in front of you oh boy it must be your fault but if they're good if they look like you know anything's changed, they sort of have a couple of good games especially against an Edmonton team that's been reeling last week if they can go in and, and have two good performances it's going to do a lot for Huska and, and you know I think the he spoke to us this morning. He seems so excited about tonight, his first couple of chances to coach in the NHL, and then he gets to be on the staff for the rest of the season of a guy in Daryl Sutter that really you know, has a high opinion of him. But also, like Daryl Sutter is one of the best coaches of this era. And if you're a young coach just trying to get your feet wet in the NHL, I, can't, I can think of very few people I'd much rather learn from than Daryl Sutter because he's, he, you know, he's got multiple Stanley Cups you know, if you're, if you're a coach, you probably love the opportunity to apprentice on the for a little bit, even if it's only mm-hmm. for half a season.
3: Very well put. We're speaking with Ryan Pike from Flames Nation. Riley.
1: Hey, Ryan. Uh, we're going to move towards tonight's game a little bit after talking about the big coaching change. Uh, how do you think this change impacts the team on the ice tonight despite Sutter not being behind the bench yet?
7: I don't think we're going to see a ton of changes, but you know, I think the the cool thing for the Flames is, you know, they're playing Edmonton, a team that they've played a few times before, and a team that you know really has been fighting it offensively, and. To, you know, to to double the the pain for the Oilers. Jacob Markstrom's back. He hasn't played in about six or seven games, and you know, get Markstrom a chance to come back in. Markstrom can just sort of. I think that the nice thing with for the Flames is because David Riddick was playing so well, they didn't really need to rush uh, Markstrom back. They were able to sort of give him the time to to sort of get himself straight. And now that he's back, it's you know, it, it gives the Flames a nice one-two punch in net. And and I the other thing I think we're going to see is you know, m- much like uh, I think I mentioned previous. I think we're going to see the Flames be a little bit more relaxed, gripping the sticks a little bit less tight, sort of be a little bit looser on the ice, and you know, the times they've played Edmonton, the times they haven't been doing as well were the times where they just looked like they were fighting the puck and, you know, trying too much, and, you know, now that they've got a chance to sort of get back to basics, it'll be really interesting to see how they play in terms of their structural defense, because, you know, if they can, you know, the, the game that they, they played, the, oh, the best game they played against the Oilers was one where they didn't really give of McDavid and Drysdale a lot, so it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how they can contain them. But it's also going to be really interesting to see just sort of how the group as a whole just real, you know reacts and if they relax or not.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, is do you see anything besides maybe another fast start like they had being the key to continuing the momentum from Thursday's game tonight? Is there anything else that they could uh, take away?
7: I, I I think it'd be. Pretty much in that category, I think. A stay out of the penalty box because the Oilers have that just absolutely disgustingly good power play at times. Uh, but you know, the the Oilers have outscored I think thirteen to one the last three games. You know, if you get a, a goal or two in the first period, and you can keep them off the board. I think you're going to see a lot of Oilers, you know, guys on the bench going, Oh God, here we go again. And I think, you know, the Flames would love to be on the opposite side of one of those games for once because there's been plenty of games this year where the Flames played well and the bounces went against them. And all of a sudden, boom, they're down two nothing after one period and they look like they want to be anywhere but at the rink. Uh, for the Flames, I'm sure there'd be no one they'd much rather do that to than the Edmonton Oilers.
1: And we've seen the lineup be tweeted out by Pat Steinberg here, I've noticed. Uh, looks like Sam Bennett out for a second straight game. Uh, are you surprised by that at all?
7: Not really. I think the the only guy they probably would have taken out to put Bennett back in would have been uh, Brett Ritchie. And Brett Ritchie, you know, the, the fourth line was really, really good against Ottawa. Brett Ritchie... Uh, scored the game's opening goal, and then he set up uh, Derek Ryan later in the game with a really nice pass for a goal for for Derek Ryan. So, you know, if a guy comes in and he gets multiple points, and you know they they're able to roll their lines like they were last game, I, I don't really think it's fair to to pull out uh, Brett, pull up Brett Ritchie. So uh, the other guy I, you maybe think of t- taking out is uh, Joaquin Nordstrom, but he's been so good on the penalty kill that they seem really loath to bring him out for any reason outside of an injury so you know unfortunately you know they got uh, 12 guys they think are going more than Bennett and so at least for now he won't have to sit but you know the nice thing about a back to back scenario is you know they play Ottawa tomorrow and so maybe they just throw him in to get some fresh legs in there
1: all right and last one for me here Connor McDavid hasn't had a point in 3 straight games has never went 4 straight without a point what are the flames going to have to do to stop him? Because I'm sure McDavid is going to be fired up to uh, get back on the score sheet tonight.
7: Ooh, uh, I don't know. That's it. let's let's be honest. I mean, Connor McDavid's Connor McDavid because he's just he's so good and he's so consistent. And I think I think the key for them is just try to you know, take away his opportunities to really get his feet moving. I mean, if they keep the puck away from him, great, but you know, he's, he's, he's going to get the puck at some point. So you just have to try to use smart positioning and try to make him, you know, go the long way around and wear him down because, you know, it, the whole Oilers club did not seem to be playing particularly well and seemed very frustrated for three games against Toronto. And if the Flames can just, you know, own the middle of the ice and clog it up, McDavid might get a point or two, but if they can keep everybody else off the board, it's really going to limit how effective McDavid can be.
3: Thank you very much, Ryan. Anything happening new out at uh, Flames Nation?
7: Oh, goodness. so There's so much Sutter stuff going I on. Loved
3: your I loved your Sutter quick guide, by the way. That was awesome.
7: Hey, it's, it's important for everyone to know <laughs> which Sutter is currently in the American Hockey League. Spoiler, it's right? Riley Sutter. He's playing for Hershey right now.
3: Uh, Gary, I didn't like even that. know Gary the most skilled and finesse based Sutter
7: part part of me is thinking that, that that's sort of a rib that all the Sutter brothers are playing <laughs> on us because I don't know anybody who's ever seen Gary Sutter play hockey, but every single brother <laughs> uses the exact same phrasing to describe how amazing he was on the ice. So it's either true or an amazingly intricate prank that we're having played
3: on us by the Sutters and it's either way, kudos. Uh, it's just amazing. I love I love Daryl. I love I love that he's back and it's awesome. Anyways, enjoy the game tonight and uh all the best for the rest of the week. Take care guys. You too, buddy. There you go, Ryan Pike from Flames Nation. Always a pleasure, pleasure to talk to Ryan as he joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Atlas Pizza and Sports, Sports Bar now open for a limited dine-in service with all the safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Around the corner, we'll hear from the general manager of the Calgary Flames, Brad True Living. He joined Pat Steinberg yesterday. We'll replay that conversation next You're listening to SportsNet today on SportsNet 960 the Fan.
0: SportsNet Today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet960 the Fan, Calgary. Best
3: Flames Goal song by far. Sportsnet Today continues on this beautiful or sorry, entrance song, sorry. SportsNet Today continues on this beautiful Saturday. We have Hitman Hockey Hour. Coming up at the top of the hour, 60 minutes to preview everything from the Hitmen and Rebels tonight in Red Deer. Flames Game Day Live with Pat Steinberg comes your way at six. Speaking of Pat, he had the opportunity to speak with Flames General Manager Bradtree Living yesterday afternoon, and he starts off asking, how did this all come to fruition? What was the last 24, 48 hours like in the mind of Bradtree Living?
2: You know, as I, as I said during the media availability today, I mean, the job of the manager is you, you've I mean, we watch our team, and we're around our team every day, and you know the inner workings and all the things that are going on, and and ultimately you you take your cues from your team in terms of things that you need to adjust or work on, and, and I think you know um, patience is a is a is a, um, a significant attribute that you need to have, but there comes a time, <clears throat> and there are times throughout um, you know a season or or, or what have you, or a stretch of games. Where you have to, you have to take action, and it was, it was real clear to me that we were, um, you know, we had, we had gone amiss a little bit, and, uh, and we needed to, 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 to make this move. And um, they're very, very difficult moves, Pat, because you're, you're talking about a real good man, and Jeff, um, somebody I, I've got a great deal of respect for, um, professionally and personally. Um, but once you make that determination, then you've got to act upon it. And so, you know, over the course of the last probably 10 days, um, you know, it came to, it, it, it came clear to me that, um, you know, we, we, we've got to, we've got to act. Um, and, um, you know, I guess it's over probably the last three or four days that, uh, um, I spoke with Daryl uh, <clears throat> initially and, and uh, and spent some time on the phone back and forth, and uh, and then we were able to, to to get things put together and and uh, you know get to where we were today. But um, you know I, this 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 last week has probably been um, you know in, when you're looking for time frame when everything started to move.
4: Okay, you in your in in the news conference today, you said this team needs Daryl, needs what Daryl can bring. How how come he is the right fit for this group right now?
2: Well, just knowing Daryl and knowing you know, I, you guys are familiar with him. There's a lot of public. Um, I think the the the, the perception of Daryl is, is is in a lot of ways you know quite different than the, the reality. Um, you know, this I think Daryl's one of the sharpest, cagiest uh, hockey minds. Um, I think he's got the ability to build really strong relationships with people, um, and, and but he's got he's got the ability to. In a, in a tough business um, to, to maximize player performance. And, uh, you know, where we are right now, to me, there's, there's you know, lots of things <clears throat> that, you know, sort of death by a thousand cuts that we need to clean up that I talked to you, I think, probably a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on with you, Pat. Um, and, you know, but, but when I really boil it down and, and study our group and spend some quiet time of, of of, of reflection, to me accountability um, was the number one area that we needed to do, to address. Accountability as a group, accountability with individuals, accountability with their play. Um, and so when you start there, um, I think one of, if not his strongest suits, one of his strongest suits with Daryl is the ability to hold people accountable. And um, that type of personality, that type of leadership, um, that type of you know, uh, standard that we're going to be held to uh, was required and nobody does it better than Daryl. So that's that's where I drew the conclusion.
4: And kind of dovetailing on that, you know, you talk about elevating and, and the term that you, you, you've you used a lot of times is maximizing performance. How does Daryl do that? And, and what about him allows him to get the most out of groups that he coaches?
2: Well, to me, the... the and there's 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 a number of different things. First, it's it's real clear, like like clarity is 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 critical, you know. And when when I say clarity, what is the, what a is the expectation? What is your role? What are you required to do? What what where do you fit? Um, so having a real clear understanding of role responsibility, um, and an expectation, um, and then for, for Daryl. He doesn't let people off the hook. Like there's, there's no, you know, there's a standard uh, that's required and nothing short of that is acceptable. And, you know, and it gets talked a lot about, and, you know, Daryl pushes people. Yes, he pushes people. But we also have to understand in our business, not right. like, not unlike a lot of other businesses, it's hard. It's hard to be successful. You know, most, a lot of people out there are, are, are satisfied with being good, it's very, very uncomfortable to, to to try to be great, and not everybody not everybody can do that on their own. You know, people need uh, leadership. People need to be pushed in certain areas, need to be pulled in certain areas, need to be um, held to account. And so, to me, um, that's such a strength of his. Um, and it's you know, to me, it's, it's 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 what's really required here with our group.
4: We're in conversation with Calgary Flames general manager Brad Treloving, Daryl Sutter in as new head coach of this team, and and Brad, you you mentioned it. We we spoke about a week week and a half ago, and and talked about it. And you talked about how you know this group has not lived up to expectations to this point. And and in the news conference, you said it's your belief that that it's a good team underachieving. Uh, why? And and now that you've seen a little bit more, you see a big win last night coming off a a not so great loss a few days prior. What what have been the the principal reasons? why it, it has been an underachieving group this year?
2: Well, I think just like I just said, uh, the inconsistency in our game, right? So, in, in, you know, when you talk about inconsistency, it's sort of a general term, but, um, you know, I think not every night you're going to be perfect, right? Not every night you're going to... I talked the other day about having your A game, right? There's nights... You know, the other team's getting paid too, so it's stiff competition. Um, but to me, they're the... the Difference between our A game, we had no B game, right? It was either all or nothing, and you can't, you can't have that. And the inconsistency, um, when you look at all the details in your game, you know, being able to manage the puck, being able to defend, be able to, um, you know, create offense, be able to uh, limit offense, like all those sorts of things that go into when you're defining how your team game is, um, was fits and starts you know there was there was some nights it was very good not enough nights but then you could go from period to period shift to shift and it just you can't have that you know you can't have that those wild swings and then in individual performance quite frankly you know you we've had we've had too many players um if you really go and 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 evaluate our team on an individual basis and when you you know when i look at it and say who's Who's at or above um, what I would call maximum capacity or expectation, and who's played to that level? And when you really break it down um, on an individual basis, there's a great number of players that are below uh, that are below the expectation we have from them, and not some you know dreamland expectation. We know that what we're what when we know what they're capable of of, of doing, um, we're below that level. So that's you know. That's where I felt, um, and, I, and I think we again, you know, saying you're a good team, saying we got enough talent, those those are hollow words until you perform and you reach those levels. So I do, I do, I do believe that this group, um, as currently constructed, uh, when it plays to the level it can, is a very, very good team. But we haven't seen that enough, um, and therefore, as I always say, actions um you know uh create consequences and 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 we had to feel i felt we had to take this step to to correct the issues we we've been facing
4: Brad, there's been a a sentiment out there, and and I don't think it's been a widespread sentiment, but there has been at least in in small circles that, you know, maybe because Daryl hasn't coached in a few years, that, that, you know, the the game, the modern game has has passed him by. I I push back on that personally. I imagine you would as well. But just tell us about Daryl, the hockey coach, and the way the NHL is played today.
2: Yeah, I I, I obviously don't... uh... Don't subscribe to that theory. Darrell's Daryl's one of the great coaches in our game. And the 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 way his mind thinks, and like I said, you know, what uh, some of the perceptions of what Daryl is is so far from the truth and, and a lot of every 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 action and every thing that Daryl does is calculated. And uh, there's a reason behind it. Uh, but the way that he looks at the game, um, you know, Daryl has evolved over the years. I've I've stayed in touch with Daryl. Obviously, before him coming here, um, I think he's very, you know, he's very dialed in to the changes that have happened in the game. But what he also is, and I think this is this is you find this in strong leadership, is you know there there there's certainly some nuances in the game today from five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. There'll be nuances two years from now. Um, than than what there is today but the basic fundamentals to have success at this level um, they they you know they they carry in pass through time and uh, and they're very very you know the, the, the core principles that you have to base successful organizations and having success I think those carry over um, and they're very similar to what they have been in the past and you know, having a work level at a certain level, having a, a competitive level at a certain area. Um, you know, we talked a lot today about creating offense and creating shot volumes and,
0: and being able to limit
2: um, the shot volumes against and what 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 danger, you know, what areas of the ice are, are real dangerous um, that you need to, to make sure that you're limiting um, time and space from with your opposition. So I think he's, you know, this is, this is his life in terms of coaching. Um, he's, he's, he's an elite coach in my mind. Um, you know, he stayed in it the last number of a couple of years working with Anaheim's, um, coaching staff. He's, he's, you know, he's dialed into data and, you know, from the, from the, from the data and the information that we look at and, and, and <clears throat> create and, and produce, um, you know, people wouldn't know that. You know, even going back to his LA days, I know there were, you know, there was a lot of information and data that Daryl, in a lot of ways, was ahead of the times in terms mm-hmm. of he was looking at and using and implementing with his team there. So, um, there's a there's a basic principle that he believes in, and, and and some areas that are absolutely non-negotiable that I think are 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 musts. Um, but I have no hesitation, no worry that Dale is dialed into as today's game as he's ever been.
4: Brad, you make this change and and you talked about how it it became clear to you about a week and a half ago that, that a change needed to be made. Here, here's a coaching change. I'm, I'm curious as as Daryl starts to install himself as the head coach, you as the general manager, how much are you then watching how your players respond, what you see from your group under your head coach and, and potentially uh, the evaluation that you might need to, to make changes potentially to your roster?
2: we you always watching Pat, so certainly. You know, you 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 are interested to see how um you know, how this change is going to, to impact? you know collect the the collective as well as the individual that's already started i can tell you now as as early as this morning daryl's you know been you know zooming with the coaches and then zooming with the leadership group zooming with the 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 team in general and then doing individual discussions you know so that 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 hands-on that he is although he's he's not here right now it's already started so it's 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 going to be you know, starting at one o'clock today with a practice, and and, and just seeing how this all evolves. But you, you know, as I said at the at the press conference, this don't this should not be mistaken of of of, of the troubles that we've had or are laid 100% at the feet of Jeff Ward. Mm-hmm. That's 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 not that's incorrect. So we continue to look today, not necessarily waiting to see how things produce, but we're looking every day to see is there is there player transactions that can can help us and that, that'll never change um i felt for all the things that listed earlier that we needed to make this coaching change and 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 <clears throat> and quite honestly it has the quickest impact too you know we talked about player change and the, just the fact of the matter is in today's times if you are on the blue team and i'm on the red team we wanted to make a trade um today pat you know we've we've got two weeks of quarantine and then probably another in all real, <clears throat> in all reality, five to six days for a player to get back up in speed. So you're probably talking about three weeks that making a player transaction can have an immediate impact on your team. And you know, further to that, are you taking a piece off your team that you know you're not replacing until that piece comes around? So um, we'll continue to 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 you know monitor that side and continue to look to see if there's things that can make us better and and you know monitor how things. Um, Goal, as I said, collectively, individually, um, as Daryl begins to integrate himself.
4: Two final ones with Brad Trilliving, general manager of the Calgary Flames. Daryl Sutter hired as head coach of the team. uh, Three-year contract that will extend beyond this year. Um, And and Brad, you've talked about it before. There, There has been some significant turnover at the head coach position over the last number of years, how important is it to have some stability long-term at that position?
2: Well, it's, it's critical and, you know, I'm the one that makes those decisions. So, you know, we should be looking no further than myself. And, um, but you, 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 you know, you, it doesn't take a genius to look and say, you know, it's difficult to have, you know, success and stability when you have a continual churn. Um, Sometimes you have to make decisions um, when, you know, you wish you didn't. Um, you know, it's not, it's not a fun part of the job, but the job is to evaluate. And what's true now may be not true, you know, a year from now. And so in, in each of the instances, I felt um, you were making the decision at the time that was in the best interest of the hockey club. And we've had some unique situations that we've gone through. Um, we've had a unique um, year that we've all lived in um, but ultimately the the decision that was made here um, you, you you look at it you, you, i don't want it like i said the, the churn and the, the the you know the constant churning uh, of coaches is not you know that's not a recipe for success but you cannot if that's at the end of the day if you, if, a, if a change was required i wasn't going to let that stop us from doing something that i thought the hockey team desperately did
3: there you go pat steinberg with flames general manager brad tree living yesterday afternoon uh question riley does brad get the runway with daryl or is the writing already on the wall for tree living
1: i think this team's i think this team's got to make a decent playoff run
3: win two rounds
1: at least one yeah i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure i mean i think Brad's done a pretty good job in some trades and drafting in in that sense. And then there's some misses for sure in the free agency market. So it's, I'm not too sure what management's thinking, but you got to think this is for sure his last coach hire um, Mm -hmm. before maybe they go in another direction with the GM. So it'll be interesting to see. But if I think if they don't, you know, make the playoffs for sure, or at least win around this this could be his last big move.
3: I feel like that three-year contract is a, a big telling sign. But, again, we'll see. I think these next uh, two weeks are very vital for Bradtree Living and the future of this Calgary Flames core. This show is being broadcast from our Iconic studio, and this is our fourth year partnering with Iconic Electrics and Controls, and we are proud to welcome them on board as are the official Sportsnet 960, the fan studio sponsor. Maintenance, it's Iconic. Visit iconicec.ca to find out more. One more segment to go on Sportsnet today – We'll do a quick run around the NHL, and we'll dissect the fourth edition of the Battle of Alberta next. This is Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, fans. Back to Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Yo, and you can find me
3: in there
0: chilling with Jerome.
3: There you go, Daryl Cutter. Yes, into dome. Feels a little bit I go for, but let's not let's not get all like wrapped up in that. A lot of work to be doing, but it's good to see Daryl Sutter back here in Calgary. Quick run around from the NHL schedule tonight. Two big games in the North Division coming your way at the top of the hour. Uh, Noah Elias Petterson for the Vancouver Canucks as they look for two in a row against the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, the uh, Van, or rather the Montreal Canadiens could have Josh Anderson. Back in the lineup tonight as he uh, well, did take part in the pregame skate as the Habs host the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, the late one on Hockey Night in Canada, of course, is the fourth edition of the Battle of Alberta. Edmonton's been on the winning side of the last two matchups, 2-1 and then 7-1. Oilers off since Wednesday, getting off, getting swept by the Leafs, scoring one goal. Their captain on the worst point drought of his career or at least of this season and the flames with ryan huska behind the bench for the next two been here before another massive battle of alberta in this north division riley uh quick thought here uh connor mcdavid he's never gone four straight without a point can the flames do it again tonight to connor i
1: don't know I don't know. It's gonna to be tough. I think Connor is going to come out uh, extremely aggressive and fired up. It's gonna to have to be a team thing. No one, no one man can stop Connor McDavid. They're gonna have exactly. to defend him as one unit. And uh, Markstrom's gonna to need to be big in his first game in uh, in a couple weeks here. So mm-hmm. it's gonna to be tough. But you know, we'll see if the Flames can pull it off for their boy Huska as uh, he mans the bench until Sutter is ready to go.
3: Yeah, Daryl will be joining the club. Looks like uh, Monday or Tuesday to get some practice with the boys. Uh, he'll be skate. He'll be in behind the bench uh, next Thursday when the Flames take on the Montreal Canadiens. It looks like. So yeah, here we go. Big battle of Alberta tonight, round four. Uh, they they just seem to get bigger and bigger as <laughs> as the season goes along. A couple more here. Uh, no, I think I think uh, the uh, the two one game. Uh, The one before Jacob Marsham got hurt. I think that's a lot of where the Flames can take. Because they played so well defensively in that game. I think they could take a lot of solace in that game. Watch the film. They took care of Drysaddle. They took care of McDavid. Do you agree that that 2-1 game might be uh, a good recipe to build on tonight?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think with the offensive success from the game against Ottawa on Thursday, if they could maybe just meld the two styles together it, it could be a positive outcome for the flames tonight but yeah it's so huge for them like I mentioned earlier they could either be within two points of Edmonton with a game in hand or uh, Edmonton could uh, pull away a little bit again here and you know the Oilers are going to be hungry they did not play well against mm-hmm. the Toronto Maple Leafs in that three game set so uh, Calgary's gonna they can't have one of their soft first periods like they've been nope. prone to after a big win.
3: Yeah, it's a, this is where it starts. It, it cannot be win one, lose one, win one, lose one. This is where they have to start stringing points together. Getting three of uh, three or four is at least a must this weekend. You drop these next two nights, uh, it could be lights out. I think you know Edmonton has Ottawa three straight after tonight. Yeah, and we've seen that
1: Ottawa doesn't really match up that well against uh, Edmonton in terms of uh, speed and Edmonton's just high star power. I think the young guys on Ottawa, just not quite ready to to defend the two big guys on Edmonton. So I could see the Oilers having their way with Ottawa again. So yeah, huge, huge couple games here for the Flames this weekend.
3: Should be a fun one tonight. Thank you to Brad Curl. The Hitmen are in Red Deer tonight to complete their home-and-home with the Rebels. Again, it's a 6 o'clock start. Thank you to Ryan Pike from Flames Nation. He breaks down the hiring of Daryl Sutter and uh, look at tonight's battle with the Oilers. And for myself, Riley Pollock and our wonderful producer, Matty Rose, thank you for listening to Sportsnet today. Hitman Hockey Hour is up next with Brad Curl. Our Flames coverage starts at 6 o'clock with Flames Game Day Live and Pat Steinberg. Whatever you watch, whatever you do, have a great rest of your night. This is Sportsnet 960 The Fan.